Hi, I'm Woody Kincaid, and welcome to The Price of a Mile. This is a special episode where I'm joined by Chris Derrick and Andrew Bumbleo, and uh, we are mammoth altitude training with a little bit of cabin fever. Um, and Chris Derrick jokingly said that we should have a hot takes episode of Price of a Mile, and I thought that was a great idea. So we sent out a tweet and uh, asked people for their questions for us on Worlds London 2017, and uh, we got a decent response. So. So this episode is just us answering tweets and our analysis of those tweets. <laughs> but we had a good time doing it. So if you liked this episode, make sure you spread it. And thanks, Sidious, for putting on the podcast. Again, this is our analysis from Twitter. Chris Derrick, Andrew Bumble, Woody Kincaid. All right, enjoy. Chris Derrick and Andrew Bumbleo, and right now we're the B team. So we're here together while everyone else is in London, and uh, we're here to talk about the three medals and pretty much the best showing that BTC's ever had uh, without us. So let's just get into it. This is Chris Derrick. Hey. Andrew Bumbleo. Howdy, how's it going? Well, let's first talk about the steeplechase, because that's the one obviously everyone was so surprised by. There's a question coming in that uh, from Twitter that we asked. Josh503, it says, Please walk us through your experience while watching the women's steeple final. When exactly did you begin to lose your minds? Well, I think this was a pretty funny experience because we had all, we were at a boring altitude camp, so we all went down and took a nap. Bumby and I came out on time to watch the race. Woody was passed out in the living room. And so we're sitting at the kitchen table in this relatively small apartment whispering back and whispering forth, back and forth <laughs> to each other excitedly like we were like Courtney looks good she looks really good that was a 302 first K there <laughs> record pace and I oh and then when the um Jeff Coach just did the like totally missed the barrier we were like what was she thinking that was so stupid oh my god and Woody's just passed out we get to about we get to it's probably past 2k we're like that 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 K was even faster oh my god Courtney's got crushing. She looks so good. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we decided at this point that we need to wake. No, no. Woody, no, Woody, Woody, woke, up Woody woke up naturally. He's like, anything going on? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, it's an amazing stable race. Courtney's about to run like a 15-second PR. And you're just like, oh, all right. <laughs> we're not, not necessarily fully awake. I understood um, that. I didn't know. I, I, I felt good early because Courtney, uh, even she set her PR at pre, she went out off the pace. And I feel like Courtney judges her efforts really well. And so when she was immediately up there and into the gap where, you know, it was the three or four Kenyans and then her and Emma, I was like, Courtney feels good. She's going to run really well. And then 
I think we started to maybe in the last K where it seemed like Jabet had made her she'd already made her play hadn't gotten away. The other Chipkovic had run like an extra fifty meters. Or yeah, whatever. that was ridiculous. You had to make, had to make up fifty meters, so she was clearly going to be quite tired. It was like she very well could medal, and then obviously on the last lap, we were, when she knew that she believed, we were going pretty bonkers. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know it started a, a couple of months ago with Jerry talking to to you and I, Chris, at the track, uh, just with how fit she was and kind of the improvements that she had made um, throughout the year, and I mean. I guess it's hard to to hear that from Jerry and I guess assume that that translates into the performance that she actually ran in London. Mm-hmm. Um, but pretty incredible to see to see her do that. I mean, um, like you said, she judges her efforts really well. She looked really good, and um, I don't know. I guess when you're there with a lap to go, anything can happen. So pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean obviously no one predicted that. Um, no. Looking back, I mean, there were signs. Jerry predicted that. Did he actually predict a medal? No, but he, he like he's, he's so good at predicting. He's like at a performance. He just knows what each person's going to run. He, I mean, he he had said he felt like she could run with Emma, if not beat her at certain points. Obviously, she didn't beat Emma. Emma ran amazing as well. Um, but he had said around USA is like he felt like she could challenge Emma. Um, and she, I mean, obviously, he felt Colleen was in great shape as well. I don't. She didn't get to run the final, but. Um, I don't want to give her short shrift, but yeah, he was really confident in, um, in Courtney's abilities. And then kind of looking back on it too, it's like, okay, she made the final last year right out of college. And then I have this memory of in the fall, you know, her, we're doing repeat intervals on the grass and her being like, I've never done more than four miles worth of tempo stuff. Which, which, <laughs> which was mortally wounding to your soul, it knowing was... what you'd done to that point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, knowing like, that I had in, done... Co- in high school? High school, college. College. Like, she's, 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 she's like, like oh, I don't know if I can do more than four miles. Today. And I was like, she's NCAA champion at Olympian. She's, yeah, yeah. she's everything she, I want to be. She's she's already done what you want to do. You took everything from me already. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think kind of looking back at that not that she wasn't trained well in in college i think her you know coaches did a great job but just that there was more to go in terms of a lot of room pushing you know pushing further into training um that looking back it's obviously easy to come up with justifications after the fact it's not so surprising that she had such a such a huge jump yeah well then then there's the opposite side someone who's been doing it forever and that's like amy like she thought she was done she gets a bronze medal Maybe. Yeah, I mean, so here we are in Mammoth Lakes, California. I guess that's really when I kind of got to know Amy or met her for the very first time. Um, and I guess that was in 2012 and 2013. Um, and she was, a, you know, she was obviously a very um, high level, national level runner at that point, had done quite a bit. I don't know all of her history per se, but I do know that, um, you know, since she's joined up with uh, Shalane, she's made you know, pretty big improvements. And it's been cool to see kind of her rise um, in the marathon, her confidence, and uh, just the way she's able to kind of run the race that she wants to run. I mean, if you look at the Olympic trials uh, marathon, she she and Shalane like took that race over and just totally dominated it. Um, and um, I think, you know, choosing to run a world championships marathon isn't always the choice that the top marathoners make. Um, but I think Jerry believes strongly that if Amy was able to put together some good training and, and run the race that she ran perhaps at the Olympic trials or if not a better race, 
then she could be in the medals. And um, I don't know, pretty cool for her to not do a spring marathon, kind of put everything into worlds, and then for it to to come out that way uh, and for her to get the medal is is incredible. Um, not it, nothing nothing to say about the performance alone. So. I, yeah, it, it is very cool, although it is a bummer now that Jerry was right once again. Because, you know, whenever you talk to Jerry, you're like, Jerry, like, she'd get a huge appearance for you to run Boston. You should let her do that. And Jerry would be like, once you start doing things for money in this sport, it all goes downhill. you got to do it the right way. I'm so and screwed. it's going to take care of itself. And it did. Now she's like, you know, she yeah. like won a medal at Worlds. Um, anyways, I, I like the thing that I love about Amy is um, we, we're here in, in the wake of the Google Manifesto. And I feel like uh, Amy is, on the one hand, like the sweetest, nicest person you'll ever meet. And at the same time, so tough as a competitor. And I feel like a lot of times people have it in their minds. You got to be kind of like this like masculine jock asshole to be competitive and to be really tough. And I just I love the way that Amy uh, encompasses both of those things, like being really compassionate and caring about her teammates. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, just. God, she she died out there to get that medal, and yeah. that was that was pretty awesome to see. And I think yeah, it it definitely it's cool to see not just that the training she did to get to that point, but what she was willing to do in the race to capitalize on all that fitness. Yeah, she went to, I mean, a dark, dark place. I'm assuming in the last mile. Yeah, probably the, probably the last five k. Yeah, really, look, the last five k didn't look very fun. Um, but. I, I, I feel like it was just really, it, it kind of spoke to me. Um, it was, it was so, I mean, that's cheesy, but it really did. It, it was, it well, was, cause you've been kind of, it, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had, I guess a rough go at, at times over the last couple of years, but just, it was really cool and inspirational to see someone again, who was so nice for me in my career was running the Olympic trials last year, not being in my best shape. And I was fifth, and it was like I thought it was okay, but um, Amy and Shalane like waited for me for you know 15 minutes or whatever outside the athletes' tent, and just like you know they were just there because they had to do team sign up, and they were already going to the Olympics and all that stuff. But and I didn't make the team, and they were gonna have so many people make the team and all that stuff. But they waited to kind of just tell me that they were proud of me and that I had, like fought hard and that they believed in me in like the future, and that was like that was really important to me. Um, I don't know. I haven't. I don't know if I've needed that a ton in my career, but I think I needed it at that point. Um, and just to kind of have them as role models in the future, especially as Bumby and I move to the marathon, is very cool. All right. Well, what do you guys think of getting a villain in the sport? So, the Guardian said after Gatlin won that he was athletics' greatest pantomime villain. Uh, I don't know what I don't know I don't know what pantomime means in that context, but yeah, I mean he's definitely he's sort of taken on the weight of everyone's anxiety about drugs in the sport because he was he's actually been caught. And on the one there was sort of this weird uh, like pro Gatlin or like Gatlin apologist kind of thing that appeared on Twitter um, after the race where everyone was like people were kind of being unfair to him. And I guess it's a little unfair because they keep saying he's a two-time drug cheat and, like, the first one was basically for, like, Adderall or some sort of ADHD medication. Um, but at the same time, like, he never admitted what he did and he never apologized. And, like, he had this whole thing about it was a massage therapist that sabotaged him, at, but his coach had seven other athletes get caught over their career. And it's like, which is more likely, this massage therapist who was going to get fired, like, sabotaged him 
or his coach who had seven other athletes get caught was giving him drugs. Right. When they get caught, when they play the victim, it seems kind of suspicious. It seems almost antisocial. Right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily someone who's like, I, I think the call for lifetime bans is a little, is a little counterproductive in some sense. I think people kind of feel like this is going to fix the sport if we have lifetime bans. Um, if you look at, this is a bit of a tangent, but if you look at like social science research on crime, higher penalties don't deter crime, but catching more people does. So clearance rates deter crime, not necessarily. People don't look far enough into the future, especially criminals, oh. um, to really consider whether they want to go to jail for 10 or 15 years. It's kind of all the same. But I, I, I'm, you know, people are like, we should be deserved his time. We should forgive him, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I don't think you get to be forgiven unless you act, unless you, you, you don't get redemption unless you admit you did something wrong. And I still have never heard that from him. And that's, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to think, I like to see myself as a forgiving person who believes in redemption, but you don't get that without asking for it. And he hasn't asked for it. He's asked us to forget. And I'm not down with that. So are you on the bolt train? Are you in the crowd chanting bolt? When he's I mean, I was rooting for I was rooting for Christian Coleman for sure. Okay. I, I do think it's a bit I, to to one thing. I think the the Gatlin apologists need to get right is the he gets booed really really hard, and mm-hmm. people cheered cheered Gonzaga Dababa, who she hasn't been caught. And normally I don't want to talk about people who haven't been caught, but I mean her coach was arrested with mm-hmm. mountains of EPO, and then after that she's run much worse. Sure. So I mean, it. If you're gonna if you're gonna be against drugs, I think you should kind of be against drugs and not just like this is this is the one guy we're throwing all the shit in the sport on. But at the same time, I don't like I don't I don't cheer for him um, for the reasons I stated. That was perfect. Good hot take. I got nothing to add. All right, that that brings us to the question of Hep's track. That said. Do you really think drug testing really made an impact on times or the medal count? Are any of the London performances suspect? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak about individual people. I mean, I guess I, I did sort of, but I feel like that's kind of a matter of public record. But hmm. I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, if, if I think something that's based on rumor or just like watching, I think that's not fair to, to do to someone in the, in the public eye. Um, I do think, obviously, I think we have a ways to go in terms of, one, getting the system that we have in, say, the U.S. to all countries in the world that are high-level track, and two, improving that system to catch a higher percentage. But I do think if you look at performances overall in, from, say, the 90s, or late 90s, when there was, say, no EPO test and much, no blood passport and stuff, to today, and you look at them globally, I think you can see a drop-off or see more... What I would notice, especially if you look at like the 5K, is dudes don't run 7:25 on Tuesday and 12:46 on Friday. You know, the the peop, you know the recovery time seems to be more legitimate to me. Um, I do think I and again I don't know if this if necessarily that a smaller percentage of people are cheating, but I think that the competence of the testing has improved to that what you can get away with is less and less and less. So you can't, you know, you can't just be taking things with impunity. You like if people are going to try to escape, they're going to have to whittle down with what they can get away with. And I, so I do think that that's good. Obviously, it, you know, we'll always probably have a problem with people cheating, but I do think that we're moving in a more positive direction. I think probably the biggest thing that made things cleaner was just the not being Russians there. 
it seems pretty clear that they had a state-sponsored doping system. It was clear that they were not trying to catch anyone, and yet they still had the most drug positives of any country in the world. So they were clearly just not giving a crap about how much right. they were taking. And that's, I mean... It's from Mother Russia. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be a cold warrior here, but that's, that, that did seem... It seems as though it was the right move to ban them. I, I, and I feel like I agree on just the whole premise of the sport. Uh, seemingly being, you know, cleaner. And it's, I mean, it's hard to know for sure. Uh, but you look at different examples that, you know, you just brought up. Um, and you also just kind of, it's kind of a common, it's just like a common sense feeling, I feel like a little bit with, with looking at just the way the races go and kind of the realistic nature of the performances, I feel like. They're just more... I don't know, uh, believable. Um, I guess when you're in the sport and you're, and you're doing it and you realize, okay, I just ran my PR in the 5k. Um, like I need to recover after this because, you know, if I, if I don't like, if I don't take the proper time to recover, then like my next race is not going to be good. So I think, I think that's, you know, something that Jerry does really well with us is kind of taking the proper amount of time in between races. And I think, um, yeah, we end up, yeah, hopefully running better in the, in those races and recovering. So. Speaking of that, uh, what did you think of the 10K, 5K end of the Mo era? What did you think of that? That's the question from, from Gabe Elliott. I mean, obviously, like, he was completely dominant the last... I mean, what, when did he win his first, uh, me- he first won, global medals? He won in 2011 in Daegu. Okay, he, he, won, he won the 5,000. He, he was second yeah. in the 10, I think. Yeah and has pretty much reigned supreme since then. Right. I think the interesting thing that people don't talk, maybe talk about as much there is he lost the 10K because he went, he tried to do the Bekele move. Sure. Like he went really hard at 500 to go. Yep. And he gapped the field and then Jaylon caught him. And he's never made that mistake again. I mean, whatever you'd say about like his fitness, which is obviously fantastic, but his his tactics have always been supreme because he's, he's the king of holding the lead but also holding the final tank. Yep. And I feel like for years, people would think, all right, I'm, this is the time I'm going to get him in the last 100, but you let him get half a step and you're both run as fast as you can. And like Paul Tanui would sometimes close on him a little bit. Jaylon would sometimes close on him a little bit, but they had given him that step in the final. Interestingly hundred. enough, I feel like the two people that do that the best in the world in distance races are Mo and Centro, and they're both on the same team. Yeah. So I mean, Centro, like, if he gets the lead typically in the last 400 meters and he holds the rail, no one's going around him. Right. Um, because he, he gas pedals it so well all the way through the finish, and Mo has always done a phenomenal job of that as well. Right, and I think this time, I mean, in the five, he just clearly didn't, he just didn't have it as much. I mean, he, they've, he's been pushed in the 10 uh, in 2015, 2016. I think people are always like, why didn't they go harder? It's like, they ran yeah, 20, 27, 20, 27 flat in Beijing, and they ran 27.05 in, in, uh, in Rio, and it's like, that's pretty hard. I mean, they, they obviously was even faster this time, and that might have taken a little bit out of him. He's a year older. And I, mean, I think back to, say, 2013, uh, Alameru went super hard with 600 to go, and Mo fought him off and still held the lead. And this time, when the Ethiopians went, um, he couldn't, I mean, he, he just couldn't hold the lead on them. Um, I think we had a question about whether we thought the Ethiopians were teaming up or sacrificing Kajelcha. That's right. I would disagree. Um, I thought that, thought that was a bit of poor form from Mo. Because one, I, it's not clear that Idris is better than Kajelcha, generally. Over the past year, I mean, if you look, I mean, y- Yomif, uh, Ryan's boy, Yomif, 
we, I mean, he won indoors last year. He won Paris last year in like 727. He's really good. And two, if you're going to sacrifice somebody, I think the plan would be they go really hard. Mo follows them and your guy sits on Mo and maybe you know knows that it's not the real move. But both Idris and Kajelcha passed Mo. So Mo was the one who did the sitting. Idris just could withstand it better. So I don't, I don't, I don't really buy into the idea that there was like that Kajelcha was giving up his chance because I think he just made his bid. Mm. And if Chalimo doesn't come with a 52 on the last lap, he gets bronze. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, I mean, I think Mo probably, I think probably weighed more on Mo was thinking that they might do that and that maybe that affected his tactics. Like you saw Barrega, the young Ethiopian take the lead for like a lap and Mo was leading the pack and he had to decide, do I follow? Do I go with him? Didn't end up being that serious of a move, but you know, having to make those decisions over and over again, he probably felt a little besieged um, in the race. But I think looking back on it, it, I don't see how, I don't see how Idris benefited in a way that Mo didn't from Kajelcha making the move. Mm-hmm. And then he does the Mobot. Oh yeah, so right we talk, talk about villains. I was I was I was big to the Mobot. I thought I thought it was interesting the two <laughs> such a... the two uh, like the two legends who were kind of yeah. having their last race. Gatlin wins the hundred and he kind of like bows down to Bolt. Mm. Idris wins and immediately goes to the Mobot. That's just a, oh man. I mean it it, it could just be it could just be that since he's been in elite track and field like whoever wins the five and the ten k. At Worlds Olympics, does the Mobot because it's always Mo, and he just thinks it's what that's what one does when they win. Right, but it's <laughs> uh, possible. Uh, but I, I thought, I thought it was. I mean, it was a bit disrespectful. I felt maybe not as much as he intended. He doesn't seem like a bad guy, but I, um, I think it's good because yeah, it, at, it provided theater. It like, provided theater, and I like it when people dab on Cam Newton, man. I mean, I think everyone, I think everyone in in the UK is gonna they're gonna feel something about it at Idris now. You yeah, know? that's true. And I, it's I'm glad they're not gonna be apathetic. Maybe they're gonna have a little hate in their heart, and that's gonna get the crowd fired up. You know, and next Paul time Chalimo. he comes, next time he comes to run. And I, Paul Chalimo. I don't know that it was completely maniacal on the behalf of Idris to do that. Like, I don't think he was doing it in pure, with pure like hate or intention. I, I think it was a bit like. It's my turn. Like I've arrived. Like I'm doing this in your home stadium on your home turf. But I don't think it was complete out of complete disrespect. I, I don't know. It was. It was. It was kind <laughs> of. Kind of the, it was kind of the track equivalent of teabagging <laughs> someone in the halo. Like he did it to him on on his home track in front of his fans. Everyone in the stadium yeah, wanted, it, and he's like, "Oh, you wanted to see the Mobot? Here's the Mobot." <laughs> I mean, which is from from a, a neutral observer perspective is just kind of funny yeah no it was funny yeah um yeah and i i i think i, I think, think it was it, i think it was fun you know it, yeah. it provided a little bit of theater it provided kind of i mean I, I know this is mo's last race on the track so it's not like there's going to be a rivalry going forward on the track which would, would be really fun but uh i don't know I feel, I feel like it was overall like just a moment he was in the moment he just he just took down the king in in the in the king's castle you know that's true like, but I, I hope i hope idris gets booed next year in london not because <laughs> no, no, no. not because i'm against idris not because i'm against him but because but i you do like, like the villain i want the drama you know, i want the drama i was going over like paul chalimo's twitter right after the race and the first five comments were just like brits really pissed off just like people was, people people were salty about yeah the, 
They they described it as a throat slash. It, yeah, that's what I read, and I believe it was it was either the Telegraph or one of the one of the London page, the Which, Independent or something. It like wasn't that. it wasn't yeah. that aggressive. It was the the, sh- the the shake back and forth, which is the no, you know, which is saying no. Like, not in, it's kind of like not in our ho- like not a, not on my watch, not yeah. in, not on our house. There's a lot of, of there's a lot of uh, thick muscles and flesh in the neck. You don't throat slash back and forth like that. It's not, it's not <laughs> practical. Yeah, we're all mimicking. So, so if it, in the NFL you wouldn't be you wouldn't be fined for that motion. I don't think so. It's, you have to give the full the like full across with, yeah. with the blade. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I I I like the I like the attitude. I liked the little like, hey, we're not here to lie down for you. I mean, I wish maybe there was more of that attitude like four years ago when Mo was at the top of his powers. But I guess the Kenyans always talked in the press about how they were going to crush him. He just was too good. Yeah. So I don't know. I need to think of what my motion's going to be. I need a motion. BTC needs a motion. <laughs> a team celebratory motion? Yeah. That would add to it, man. We have like people dabbing on it, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's too gimmicky. I don't know. It, it'd mainly be Jay, you're in the barman, babes, but we can help. We can help. We can all dream. That's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Was, there was there anything else you had on your list there? Is Bolt the athlete of the year again? It seems like, no, he didn't win. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to bring that yeah. up. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was definitely he's the a, goat though. He was he is the goat, but he's got so many of the athlete of the year awards. Why does he need that? Yeah, one? this is like one more MVP. You know yeah, I mean? it's like it's like naming Kobe Bryant to the All Star team, like you know when he's shooting thirty nine percent from the field. Right. Like, although both still got bronze, he's better than Kobe was at the end of his career. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean it was definitely. What was interesting to me is I feel like, uh, London, the crowd was amazing. And I feel like that's a byproduct of how much success British athletes had at the London Olympics. I feel like since then, the crowds in the UK have really been awesome. 56,000 people. Yeah, they were amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And, I mean, I ran in that stadium. I was going to say that rush has continued since 2012. Right, yeah. 2013 was awesome. You ran there in 2015. 2015. It was incredible. And what I'm curious to see, you had a couple of surprise wins like the Norwegian guy in the four hurdles, and then uh, you had the Norwegian guy also. Hold on. In- what was that guy's name? Ingebrigtsen. Uh, so I'll, I'll just say, what was the biggest surprise for you? You two, both of you guys. Um, what I were the biggest th- upsets? I mean, I think Emma and Courtney going one two is obviously the biggest surprise. I mean, I th- okay. Other than that, yes, we. Yeah. Okay. Well, what we were talking about is that when you get. Especially, basically, the sport needs people to show up to European track meets, and one of the things that brings people out is national stars. So Oslo is a big meet, but if you look, you know, if you watch the Diamond League, it hasn't been as well attended in years in these recent years. But you had Karsten Warholm in the 400 hurdles. You had uh, Philip Ingebrigtsen get third in the 1500, and then if you look at like say Paris, they just downsized their stadium for the Diamond League. Um, but you had Boss get win the 800 surprisingly and my hope is is that that's going to put some new blood into those meets over the next few years and i just think generally it's good when the sport is less predictable and there's more countries involved because <clears throat> i think if the same countries win over and over again it starts to feel a little deterministic um and you know in the u.s we kind of look at like oh it's another kenyan guy whatever mm-hmm. and i think probably in europe they're like oh it's another us 400 guy whatever you know <laughs> yeah. so there i it's you need you need some of that fresh blood and i think 
there was obviously tons of huge surprises. I mean, Trinidad and Tobago winning the 4x4. Four four I told you I wanted them. was pretty nuts. Yeah, you were being un- unpatriotic. I forgot you. <laughs> yeah, I was a little offended by that. Yeah. Why? Trinidad, they, get, they need something too, man. We win all the time. I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what we to say. About I don't know what to say about that at all. What? I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that Fred Curley was tired. He's done a lot of racing this year. If he had been, if he had been in the form that he was in in June, uh, the U.S. would have taken it and all been right with the world, and we wouldn't have to call out Woody for being a traitor on his own podcast. You just said you wanted it to be egalitarian a little bit. Uh, in the in the abstract, but in in the individual in the moment, moment. In the individual moment, moment. Yeah, I'm yeah. cheering for the United States. <laughs> of course, I'm, a, I'm an American. Well, going back to the, I said they wanted them to get second. I was cool with them getting first, though. I was just going to say, going back to the, to the abstract, um, what you were saying about having some European uh, successes on the track in events that they don't typically have success in um, will not only, I think, help from a nationalistic standpoint, how we were talking about before, how you kind of need that national stage, but hopefully you can take those national medals and put that into a Diamond League, and all of a sudden, then we don't, then maybe we don't, it's like we do need the nationalism, but like then you're kind of able to, to promote these meets and have the stadiums you packed in uh, you don't ha- like they're not wearing their country's colors necessarily but there's still kind of some representation there right know. right yes. I, one other thing I wanted to call out from just from the uh, meet in general was I thought that the Kenyan guys in the men's 1500 like were brilliant tactically um, the two training partners chariot and Menangoy. Um, one, because they let it go a little slow and, and got everyone thinking it's another tactical race, and then they went hard at 400. And two, because if you look at that field, it's they it's them, Kiprop, and Willis with sub-330 PRs. And Willis has obviously been hurt um, for most of the year, Kiprop as well. And so it was the perfect time to just not mess around. Like, you're f- probably three to four seconds better than your next rival. Yep. You know, Ingebrigtsen was third. He's got a 332 PB. Just don't, don't make it. Don't get cute. Just go punish. And them. and they did it the right way. They kind of let it go out a little slow. Let everyone get lulled into the sense that maybe it's going to be another tactical fifteen hundred, like it always is. And then they struck at the right time. And they they had it for real. You know, like their move was permanent and it was the real deal. And they just kept squeezing all the way home. Yeah. And um, I feel like that performance kind of maybe saved the meet a little bit for Kenya. I mean, obviously, they had some other uh, moments of su- success. I mean, they had the, I guess it was the five gold, gold in the 5K uh, for Obiri. Um, the, the men's marathon. They had, and then they also had the gold in the steeple uh, for Conceslis. Yep. Uh, but but all in all, it's like when there's Kenyans missing from the podium for the 5K, it's, it's a little bit concerning, I'm sure, for them. So um, I feel like that that was a big kind of save, right? Like save the meet moment for them. And I feel like that that let it slow for a little bit and then attack move is kind of like underappreciated and underused. It's it's what Chalimo did at USA's when he I mean obviously he just ran thirteen oh seven from the front, which is good, objectively good. Um, and anytime you can do that, you should probably do it. It, it just feels bad. But yeah, it, I mean, it feels I mean good. running and having run in races like that, uh, for instance, like the two thousand eleven five k at USA's, uh, where you know. It's slow, and then all of a sudden, you know, Tag and Camp and Slinsky out of the front and start running 61s. It doesn't feel good. It feels actually yeah. quite horrible. I was just a poor college junior. I, yeah, I you, no you, you weren't ready. I knew. <laughs> see, I knew completely what was coming, but, uh, but I just wasn't man enough. But, to but even it at the even time. even Chilima, I mean, Chilima did it within the first lap, but he let it sure. settle. 
Sure. And everyone said, okay, it's settling. It's going to be slow. This is our rhythm. It's going to be slow. It's a mental shift. And then he attacked, and that yeah, prevented yeah. anyone from getting on him. Sure. And then obviously he was good enough to defend that lead. But, like, once you, well, you know, what he was able to do there is now it's, like, they have the advantage of seeing you, but really True's leading a separate race. Right. And now it's you versus him in a time trial. And so, I mean, I, th- I thought that that was, like, at USA's tactically quite brilliant. It's actually what, like, Lowey Lang and Sambo used to do all the time in NCAA. They'd let it go easy for, like, the first third of the race and then just keep cranking until no one was there. Yeah. And that's a really... It's, it's, it's effective. It's no fun. No. Zero fun, sir. It is kind of just like a, a punch in the gut when you're like, all right, I'm going to be... I'm, you prepare yourself for a certain way. Yeah. And then they just... They're just better than you. Like, yeah. just like... Well, and you're... All, especially when someone goes too fast in the middle of a race and you're like this is just unreasonable yeah like guys this is you can't yeah you can't run this no um but then i i think too it's a little bit of that kind of what you're expecting thing and how bad that feels that's why sometimes races go really slow and fans are like what are they doing Mm. and it's like once you've committed to the idea that it's going to be slow and your body starts just, to get into you're, a rhythm you're saving up for and then it's yeah it's like it feels so bad to accelerate if you've been running 72s for even if it's a 5k and you can run 63s that first 64 feels like garbage even 66 yeah it feels terrible it feels bad and so i think that's what you see a lot of times where it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of you settle the new rhythm everyone just expects it to be this way and no one wants to be the one to do to to make the sprint and start to feel start to feel bad yeah it's slap in the face yeah Mm -hmm. i mean that kind of happened in the women's final this year kind of starting to lull and I, I unawaited maybe 200 meters. In a 5K? No, no, they went, they, the first no, lap they went, was like an 82. Yeah, yeah. So okay, he, so she waited 600. 600 meters, yeah. And then I think you saw there that, I mean, she, she's just she's, she's objectively, but I mean, her yeah, and, she's on and Obiri level. are just on another level. But her versus Obiri, she's so good at that. She's really, really fit, obviously. And she's so good at that mid-race acceleration that burns everyone off. But she's never had the finish like Obiri's had it in a hard race. Um, and then you talk about impatience too that was Hassan in the women's 15 because clearly I mean she just went too hard too early and I'm I'm team Faith all the way call it before the race I love I love Faith keep gun she just she's got that look on her face when they're introducing her like she's she's upset that that she has to go through this pageantry because she just wants to get to the crushing mm-hmm. and that I respect that all right right on all right so for the last question on worlds who is the golden child going through, going forward, and who blew it the most? Uh, the golden child. Who do you who do you, who do you yeah. think made their name this this world? Who's going to be a who's the future in their event? Who broke out, if you will? It would have been nice if you gave us this question before the podcast. So we could we could have thought about it. What about Johnny? No, Johnny snuck his way into the final. <laughs> Johnny's great, though. We all like Johnny. Shout out to Johnny. Johnny Gregorio. Great to see him in the final. Johnny. One of the, one, <laughs> one of the best guys on the circuit. Continually makes me laugh. Um, he, nice guy. He was very well. fortunate yeah. in his heat draws. Mm-hmm. Um, who broke... Are we talking about U.S. level? Obviously. Uh, Corey Carter. Okay. Stanford teammate. Go Card. Corey Carter. World champion. Foreign, or foreign hurdles. She's probably, what, she took 24? She's like two years younger than me. Uh, maybe 25? Yeah, she's she's the real deal. She's awesome. She's great. Love Corey Carter. Yeah, didn't Love me some Corey Carter. You know her. You Check. know her personally. Yeah. No. 
Really nice person. Partial opinion. Really nice person, but also a killer. Yeah. All right. I, I'm gonna go. I gotta go with uh, with Courtney, our, our our teammate. I was gonna take that one. Um, it's hard to put her over. I mean, Emma won the race. Emma won the race, but Emma's already Emma's already established herself. I feel like on this on this level, and Courtney PR'd by sixteen seconds. Sixteen seconds. Sixteen seconds is a lot to PR in a global final, um, and she's a little bit younger than Emma, a little less experienced. Until she beats Emma, she's not the future. Uh, all right, that's fair. Who's the, who's I mean, the, who's I, the for, best American? For me, for me, though, it's 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 who has like I guess I thought the question was, you know, who kind of who overachieved, like who went beyond what maybe was expected of them. I the believe mo- the question the was was the golden child. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means. That's <laughs> one of Woody's like I mean, vague I, references. Look, I, I, like I, I love Courtney. Sure I'm, I'm incredibly proud of her. Sure, sure. I would just say that yeah, that I mean, Emma is the golden child of the steeplechase. She, she's she's still the queen of the steeplechase. Sure, yeah. but yeah. I, I mean she's the world champion. But I guess I guess I was taking the question as more of who who broke out the most and who do we look who are we going to be looking for in the future? And mm-hmm. I think. I think one of the answers to that is uh, definitely Courtney. I'm sticking by my Corey Carter claim. She also won, I think, Monaco. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, her errors arrived. Yeah. All right. Go card. All right. Well, that uh, that pretty much wraps up the world. If, uh, if you guys want to talk about it some more, um, we'll do this again in a few days. Why not? <laughs> Woody, because Woody has us trapped in, this, <laughs> in our mountaintop abode. We, we got only, nothing we, else. We can to only do. play so much Catan. All right, now we're gonna ask the, the questions that you guys sent in, just about running and and Bumby and, and CD in general. You guys ready for this? Sure. I didn't know we were doing part yeah, two. That's part two. I have so gonna, many opinions. This is gonna be okay. I have to go to sleep though eventually. I know. Just give me a second. Who's the most famous person in your cell phone? Uh, Evan Jagger. Yeah, mine too. Hmm. Actually, I might actually have some famous people. Let me. Let me oh um, yeah. Let me think. <laughs> let me, yeah, yeah, we'll let we'll let Bumby look it up. Okay, we'll keep going here. Wait, I thought we had a we had a there was a Jerry question in there. I I love Jerry oh, yeah. questions. I'm all about the Jerry. Does questions. Jerry have a uh, secret Twitter account? Anonymous. Question. No, Jerry. Jerry does not know how to use technology, and he. The, my favorite Jerry not knowing how to use technology story is that I told him that, like when we were in Europe, none of us really have cell phone plans. I told him he could call me on FaceTime audio so we could talk. And then he just, just he didn't connect that to anyone else with an iPhone he could also call. <laughs> so it ends up with eight of us in a room with as we go through with my cell phone as we go through everyone's race schedule for the next month. It takes an hour because he didn't put together that it wasn't just my phone that this alchemy magic happened, <laughs> but also anyone else with an iPhone. Um, so yeah, he, there's no way he has a secret Twitter account. No, he doesn't um, care either. Yeah, well, there there is a question I think about like why can't we get a Jerry interview, and uh, we were talking about it. My uh, Jerry just has like this weird. He's got this like weird thing where he he always says, "What what am I gonna say? We have no secrets. We just work hard. We 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 run a lot." And he's like, "Well, Jerry, it'd be good for people to hear that from you. Like they think you're doing something crazy." Um, he's like, but "We're not." It's like, "Okay, well, you could tell them that. It wouldn't be a problem." But I think. He has like this weird, like puritanical thing about, like it's a sin to talk about yourself. I um, mean, we were talking, you know, like nothing can get in the way from the purity of we're doing this just to be excellent. And if you're out there trying to talk about yourself or or get people to care about you, or then... maybe like like the flavor of food, perhaps. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like like you only eat food because it makes you better at running, not because <laughs> food might provide you some like 
exterior level of enjoyment. He, I mean, like well, he, he does love sweets, but he he doesn't like like pepper is too spicy for him. But he's like yeah, he's he's got the total personality where it's like anything that bends towards uh, not being a hundred percent focused on excellence for excellence's sake is is wrong. It's a distraction. Yeah, and, and, it I, needs and to be I, I I understand that fans are frustrated, and believe me, you're not as frustrated as I am because Jerry's a little crazy. He's a little off his rocker on some issues, and he's a little stubborn. But his his heart, at least, is in the right place. I don't think he's actually trying to hide anything. I think he's just so committed to this idea that he's not a guru that he has himself become a guru. I, I can't tell you how many people who I've just known and met throughout my life running and ever since I joined the group that don't even know what Jerry looks like. Like, they couldn't even, like... He's a handsome guy. He's a handsome guy. And, like, yeah, it's it's just shocking to me how many people have been, like... You know what is who like who is Jerry? What does he look like? <laughs> is is he even real? Uh, because he he he's kind of a phantom. I the like. the the funniest thing is that he's the friendliest person. Like he'll talk yeah, to yeah. Jerry. Oh yeah. You, oh yeah. Go go up and talk to Jerry to meet. He's hey, he'll my, take you off. Yeah. My recruiting calls with him. He, like when I was in, when I was in high school. Like he would talk to my sister for like twenty minutes before he would even give me the phone. Mm-hmm. Like before she would. Get, he's just he's a personal guy. Yeah. We were we were in uh, we were doing a workout at Sedona one time. It was this death hard workout that we were all stressing out about and there was some family there on spring break and like the kid was a 400 guy from illinois and he was going to go to nebraska and jerry just talked to his family for like an hour and we were like yeah they're from the midwest so he probably oh yeah he was, and we, he was all about that. we were like wait he like delayed our workout just so he could chat with his family and he comes back and he's like oh you know it's uh yes and i just gotta do that he's like jerry they wanted to leave like you were <laughs> holding them don't you pretend like you didn't yeah they had reserv- they had reservations for dinner <laughs> yeah, like, yeah 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 the great thing is we could say whatever we want, and he's never going to listen to this. That's not true, because Josh, he has his, his spots. He has, he has little birds. He has his little birds. He has his, little birds. His children. His children, his children are, like, whatever the generation is after millennials, so they're definitely well-connected. I don't know. Yeah, they understand how the internet works. They, they know how the internet works. Yeah, the interwebs. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> they get all the tubes and stuff that the information <laughs> They get the wires. Through. Yeah. All right, I think that'll do it. You guys good with that? Yeah. All right. Today is August 14th, 2017, and uh, we are here in Mammoth Lakes just a few days after Worlds has ended. Again, this is Andrew Bumbleo, Chris Derrick, we're Bowman Track Club. Let us know what you think of this podcast. Send it out because we might do more hot takes like this. Thanks for listening and follow us on POAM Podcast on Twitter or just on Instagram at Price of a Mile. Make sure you listen next week for Andrew Bumbleo's Price of a Mile episode.